California. When was the last time we did a KOTP when both of us were in SoCal? Three weeks ago, Mike, when I did hot stove. <laughs> I, I, it's been three weeks since I've been on the home for hot, and I'm home for one more day. And I'm flying to Montreal tomorrow. So this is done on, we're doing this on Tuesday night. So I haven't been home much and going to Montreal for four days. So I gave my liver a rest for nine days, John, but now it's, it's going to be another challenge. So looking forward to doing Kings of the Podcast with you. This is, there's a lot to talk about. All right. Well, uh, in, in Social Distortion, there's a guitarist named Johnny Two Bags who got the name because he didn't have a home and essentially was going from friend to friend's house with his two bags and staying the night on their couch. We're going to call you Briefcase Bernstein at this point because you're living out of your briefcase uh, here uh, over the last couple of months. But it's coming to an end and it's after Montreal. Yeah. I think I think you're home for the rest of the summer, right? Uh, well, I would be because I am because we bought a new house. It's still we're going to still be in Encino. We're not leaving the valley. Uh, but there is a golf tournament that TFB is doing the last weekend of July. But given the fact that we're moving in on the 26th, I think they're going to have to pass on golf. And since I don't play golf, I just drive around in the carts and drive <laughs> on the greens in Toronto. I think I'm going to do that. But there would be one more event, believe it or not, John. Other than that, to wrap up uh, the season for us. But yeah, I'll be home for the rest of the summer. You know, if you are itching to get on an airplane, you can always uh, take a ride up to Edmonton in mid-August for the World Junior Tournament. John, I've had enough of Edmonton for okay. years. <laughs> for years, John. Doesn't mean I won't go back there if they play in the playoffs next year. But if I didn't, if I don't get to Edmonton by 2025 again, John, it won't be. My heart won't be broken. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. I hear you. Uh, we have a lot to cover on today's program, Dennis. A lot has been going on related to the LA Kings of late. Obviously, the big trade with Kevin Fiala is going to dominate the headlines or has been dominating the headlines. And we're going to give it plenty of airspace here in the first period of today's program. We, you and I both had an opportunity to talk to Kevin Fiala earlier today as part yeah. of the LA Kings uh, media call. And we are lining up Kevin Fiala to join us for his own edition of Kings of the Podcast, like we uh, love to do with, with newest new members of the team. We'll get to that soon. But today we'll talk about Kevin Fiala in the first period, the acquisition, the acquisition costs, the opportunity mm -hmm. cost, a whole bunch of stuff, TV. And then in the second period, we'll talk about Rob Blake, who was also part of that media call today. We'll talk about some of the stuff that Rob said, some of the stuff that he didn't say. We'll try to fill the gaps in there. And then we'll come back in the third period and we have a bunch of other stuff to talk about, including the draft, the Kings search for an assistant coach, the upcoming schedule, renovations in the building there mm -hmm. at uh, crypto.com. So we have all kinds of other stuff to talk about in the third period. And knowing us, DB, some of the first period conversations will spill into the <laughs> second period and some of the second period will spill into the third period. So uh, 
uh, look, enough of the agenda setting. Let's get into the Kevin Fiala trade. Why sure. don't we just start with a really simple question, DB? On a Give it a letter grade. What would you grade the Kevin Fiala trade? They send Brock Faber and number 19, the first round mm-hmm. draft pick, to Minnesota, and then they end up signing him to a, a long-term extension. How do you grade this overall situation? Well, if it's the 85-point Kevin Fiala from last season, John, A+. Plus. If it's the six, if it's a sixty-five point, it's an A. This filled the need, without question. The primary need this team had, it filled, and it's a guy who plays with pace, who's got a little bit of grit. And I, I think that if Kings fans hear the interview with Kevin Fiala, he said he does his best work around the net. Like that has to warm Kings fans' hearts that he does his best work around the net. So yes, I, I love the trade. John, you know me. I've been waiting for this trade for like three years or two years. Like this is it where you and I'm putting out a new column for a TFP. It's called uh, from the hunted to the hunters. So the conversations about departing players and it's been sad and it's been tough. And you read your Twitter feed about players departing. That's ended now. Like those conversations are over. Like there, there's no more other GMs vulturing this team, looking to pick off a player for a cup run. This has changed the paradigm. So to me, it, it's something that I've been waiting for for a while. This is a player who fits their style, um, who is the right age, because you always talk about age distribution. You talked about it with Blake on the call today. So to me, I give it an A plus if it's Kevin Fiala of, of 85 points. Other than that, it's an A. It's what they need in the moment. It's solidifies their top six. And now you move on and, and try to, to uh, upgrade the defense. Yeah, I give it an A, Dennis, and, and here's the reason why. Age distribution, yeah, you did yeah. absolutely say that. Um, and I think, uh, you know, anybody within King's management would talk about the reason that they went out and gave that type of extension money, that much money on an extension and that much term to a player like Kevin Fiala is the difference between this move and a Philip Forsberg move or the difference between this move and a Johnny Goudreau move. It it does come back to age distribution. You're paying that player for what's to come. You're not paying that player for what he's done at 25, 26 years old. The future is in front of him. And you certainly think that he's more the player that you've seen in the last 12 months than he was, you know, 36 months ago. So there's a lot of runway there still with Kevin Fiala. And I think that when you really start to peel back the onion, and this is where you have to dig deeper as a fan, as a member of the media, or as a member of management who's trying to explore something, you can't just look at the numbers on hockey DB. You have to really understand well, well, where was this player playing? How was this player being used? How many minutes a night was he getting in order to generate those points? Who was his center? Because he wasn't right. playing with the centers that you think. And then, you know, the thing that I thought that he sidestepped when I asked him earlier today was about the power play. Because I remember Phil Deneau talking about that last year. One of the real selling points for Phil Deneau to sign mm-hmm. as an unrestricted free agent in Los Angeles was, hey, man, I don't think I was being used properly. And I think that I have right. more to offer a team. Give me a little bit of power play time. I'm more than just a penalty kill specialist. I think that I can contribute more offensively and score more goals. And so Kevin Fiala does not get a lot of his goals or didn't get a lot of his goals on the power play in Minnesota. So to me, one of the questions was for him, Hey, when you were having these conversations with Rob Blake and Todd McClellan and everybody over the the last week or so, how much of that talk was about you being utilized on the power play? And then Dennis, you mentioned doing his best work down low. I think there are two other things to sort of think about when you think about this deal. And One, 
has to be the replacement for Dustin Brown. Now, instantly, right. when I say that, people try to draw a comparable. I'm not saying that Kevin no. Fiala is Dustin Brown, right? That's no. not what I'm saying. But you look right. at some of the things that were missing over the last couple of years as Brown was able to wind his career down and now eventually he's not on the team anymore. What have they been missing? Well, some of that net front presence that he brought at different times, especially on the power play, some of that physical play that Dustin brought earlier in his career mm-hmm. that Kevin Fiala is not afraid to shy away from because Dennis, not only does he like to work in front of the net, he very much so today talked about his love for doing work down in the corners as well. Yep. And he talked about the fact that, Hey, I'm not out there just slamming into people and, and, and adding up my hits. But if there's a hit to be made, I'll make that hit. And he, that was his quote from earlier today. So I think there's that component to it as well that, hey, man, this is replacing something that really was missing in their top six. It wasn't just about getting Kaliev in the top six or getting Fagamo right. or Turcotte right. or a player to give you 30 goals. There was a very specific thing that they were looking for, even beyond the age distribution. Now, yeah. the other thing I wanted to ask you, though, about uh, mm-hmm. uh, Dennis, I, to me, this trade – I'm. I hope you can follow my train of thought on this. Go ahead. There, there are two key trades. There are multiple trades, but there are two key moments in the evolution of the Stanley Cup winning LA Kings that stand out to me, right? Mm-hmm. And one of those moves was Ryan Smith. I tweeted about this the other day, and right. you and I have talked about it on the program before. Ryan Smith is long since forgotten about in the LA Kings history, right? Because he, he wanted to trade and he left town the year before, the summer before they ended up winning the Stanley Cup. The trade for Ryan Smith signaled to the locker room at the time mm-hmm. that Dean Lombardi made that trade. Hey, we're ready to take the next step. Take the training wheels off all the kids. We're now taking the next step. This is a proven professional goal scorer. He's going to come in yeah. and he's going to help us get to the next level. And there was that bromance, as you might remember, between Ryan Smith and Kopitar. And they were highly effective as line mates. And some might even argue that was his best winger ever. Maybe not the best player, but from a complimentary perspective, there was yep. some magic between the two of those. So I think to that, hear me out. I know it's long-winded, but I am yeah, going to make sense of this. Sure. There's, there's the Ryan Smith component that this reminds me of because it, it is signaling to that locker room as much as it is to the rest of the league. Hey guys, take the training wheels off. It's time to take it to the next level. But what mm-hmm. this also reminds me of is the trade for Jeff Carter. Now people get all freaked out when I say that because I'm not comparing Kevin Fiala to Jeff Carter, but no. the trade for Jeff Carter, what was so beautiful about the trade for Jeff Carter is it was pure addition at the right time. You didn't right. subtract. And the reason you didn't subtract what from the NHL roster, you didn't subtract because Voinov was an NHL player playing in the AHL. He was an NHL player mm-hmm. in the wings. So you were able to basically swap out Jack Johnson, plug in Slava Voinov. You didn't lose anything right. from on the defensive side of things. And so what did you do? You added Jeff Carter to your group of top six, and that allowed everybody else to slot in where they where they. Yeah more normally belonged. This trade reminds me of that trade also. It has an element of that, Dennis, because they added to the roster. And don't worry, we're going to get to Brock Faber a little bit later on. I have a feeling you've been waiting to ask me about it. But but you didn't trade anything off of the NHL roster. You gave up a first-round draft pick in Brock Faber, and you added Kevin Fiala. And it does allow people to slot in. I uh, follow as an example. We've said it for years. He's not, an, he's not a top-line left wing. But he was never signed to be a top-line left wing, and nobody expected him to be a top-line left wing. Nobody wanted him to be the top-line left wing. And we've said this phrase forever. On a championship club, he's a third-line left wing. Maybe second-line, but he's a third-line left wing. 
well, why was he playing up top then? Well, because Kopitar liked playing with him and they didn't have anybody else that came along and stole that job. And now slowly through the additions of Dano, the additions of Vardvidsson, you were able to push him down. But now the addition of Kevin Fiala, you've definitely now moved Ayafalo to that third line spot. And so it reminds me of the Carter trade in that it slots mm-hmm. everybody into their better or more normal positions. Reaction yeah, to that, to all that stuff. Great points. Absolutely great points where they are on the, the, the timeline to get to a contending status. Now, here's the other thing. Last season, when they signed Dano and they traded for Arvidsson, you didn't know if it was going to work, but it worked. And now, like, this is going to work. This should work. This is the type of player that you need. And, and we said this before. You need to surround – Kopi made players better for a long time. Now you need to put better players around Kopitar. And this is a better player. And not only that, it takes the heat off the kids. Like, remember, what's the big question? What was the thing with Kaliev all season? You put him up with Kopitar, didn't work on the top six. He needs to progress. He needs to be that top six player next season. Does he now? No. He could give you 18 to 20 on the third line, and that's a huge win for the organization. So the trickle-down effect of him, as you mentioned, I think that's huge. And uh, with respect to the actual deal itself, the, the assets, like, yeah, it's – it's a win because you're adding a roster player, a significant player, a player of consequence that says, okay, we're going for it now. Now, <clears throat> we can talk about Jacob Chicken for probably two hours, but if that doesn't happen, is this team better anyway? Of course they are. Like if Kevin Fiala is a 30 and 30, if he's if he's 30 and and let's say 30, 40, he'd be the lo- the high scoring player on the team next season because Colbert at 67. He's not only a goal scorer, John, but because you look at the 33 goals, he had 52 assists. He's a playmaker. That's the player I wanted. And you're right. Goudreau would be a lot more expensive. He's older. This is a player. And not only is my last point is, John, is that he was a restricted free agent with arbitration rights. He didn't have to sign this deal. He could have taken a qualifying offer and then gone and, and did whatever he wanted to do next summer. He chose not to do that. He chose to sign on for seven years, which tells you he believes in what this organization is doing after a, a short conversation, I assume, with the, with the organization, and he's played against them as well, and so they were a very difficult team to play against. So uh, for all the things that I just mentioned, it aligns with wh- where this team needs to go and, and take the next step as they try to win the division next season. Yeah, I think that last point that you just made there, Dennis, is going to be lost on some people. So let's try to double down on that. And that is the fact that, yeah, the LA Kings went out and traded for Kevin Fiala. So clearly they wanted Kevin Fiala. However, Kevin Fiala also wanted to be a member of the LA Kings. So in many ways, this is very similar to signing him as an unrestricted free agent for the reasons that you just mentioned. He committed to this team and he was willing to commit to this team when in fact it might've been in his better financial interest to not commit right now and to commit down the road. If he believes in himself that he's going to, he's going to put more points up and and he's going to continue to be a goal scorer. He could have possibly earned more money. Uh, However, on the call today, he was talking about the fact, hey, man, I just what you said, Dennis, I've played against this team. This is a tough team to play against. He started out by saying they are very tough defensively. There's not a lot of room out there on the ice, and it's, they're very difficult to score against. So I'm sure somewhere, Daryl Sutter, even though he's a member of the Calgary Flames, <laughs> he probably is still signing because he loves to hear about the defensive structure of the LA Kings and that somewhere, somewhere along the way they got away from that, and McClellan has had to put that structure back in. And we all know good teams win off the, off the defense, right? Of but course. he also went on to talk about goaltending, and he also went on to talk about the offensive abilities of this team as well. So he sees what everybody else, or at least what you and I have been seeing, and that is this team is on the rise, this team is getting Mm -hmm. better, and that they needed another offensive player in order to put them over the hump. 
Now I want to come to this point, though, Dennis, because you mentioned the defenseman. And I want to get to Rob Blake and some of his comments. And I have some thoughts about the defense and where they might go uh, on the, in the next period. But this sure. is interesting. This is really interesting that I, I hinted at this uh, about six months ago on Kings of the Podcast, that after spending two years of the organization privately and to a certain extent publicly saying that target number one was a 25-year-old left shot defenseman, the mood had started to shift within the organization over the last six months to offense. And mm-hmm. they started to believe that offense was their number one thing that they needed to add. And it really manifested itself again during that, well, during this regular season with the lack of power play goals, but also during the playoff series with Edmonton. Yeah. And you think about, they were up in game six. They had a power play. If they score, they end up putting the game away. They end yeah. up winning the game. They end up moving on to round two. So, and, and, and if you were ever worried about the defense, Dennis, man, everybody was hurt this year. <laughs> Drew yeah. Doughty misses half a season. Edler's out. They end up plugging in all these kids. Yep. The defense, while not maybe a Stanley Cup caliber defense, and while not constructed perfectly size-wise and righty-lefty, man, mm-hmm. you have to kind of be impressed with the LA Kings defense, and you have to be impressed with the point total that this team put up this year without Drew Doughty. And so you right. can see how the, the mind shift took place to going, hey, if we're going to trade some assets, we're going to go out and trade some assets and we're going to go out and get a top six forward, not go out and get Jacob Chikrin. Yeah, that's why I love the deal. And look, not that he could have had this player in the playoffs. If they had another scoring winger, they probably win game six. They probably played multiple rounds in this in the in the past. But look, that's a could have, would have, should have. But I couldn't agree with you more. I think this is the move that announces them again that that you know, we're not interested in dealing players away anymore. That's done. That's over with. We're, we're looking to accumulate assets. And, and yeah, we can talk about the defenseman, but you needed this. You needed this scoring guy. You just needed more. You just needed more offensively. It's just as soon as that. And it takes some of the heat off the kids. Like, if you can come in and produce on the third line, and you, we can speculate about what's going to happen with Lee Anderson and Brendan Lemieux or whatever with the restricted free agents. But, again, I, I love this trade for this team. It was time. For me, it was – look, for you – you're the patient guy. I'm the impatient guy on this podcast. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. And when it happened, I'm like, yeah. And I, look, 7-9 might be a little bit high for this player. But you, you have to do it. If, if he's going to re- come close to these numbers at this age, it, it's it's something that they needed to spend assets and cap space on. Let me ask you this question before we move on to Brock Faber. And I want to end the period on Faber. But I'm curious if you have the same thing. I, there's no way to quantify this. But when a, when a team makes a trade uh, or when they sign an unrestricted free agent, I don't know what it is, but sometimes you have a good feeling. Sometimes you have a neutral feeling or an ambivalent feeling. And sometimes you have that negative feeling. Sometimes you're like, oh, man, that is just a trip. Why did they do that? Like, like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding me? They just made that move. That feels like a disaster. Right. And other right. times you're like, ah, that's kind of interesting. I wonder where that's going to go. Let me give you some examples. Sure. Um the Kings make a trade for Sakara. Look, everybody's agreeing at after the fact, but at the time, I think it was fair to look at that move and go, Ooh, that, 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 that doesn't feel right. Like, Ooh, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be, they mm-hmm. gave up a first round pick for that yeah. player. Is that player going to be the one that's going to get them over the hump? Because they needed right. to get over the hump at that point. They yep. needed a huge injection of something and you go, I don't know if that's enough. And if it's not, well, you gave up a lot for nothing. Like, Mm -hmm. so there's that. And then I'll give you the flip side of it too. The Marion Gabrick trade. 
you look at the Marion Gabbert trade at the time they make it and you go, ah, that's an interesting move. Like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's boom or bust. Right. But they didn't give right. up much to get him. And if that works out, man, that's a home run. And if that, if that, if it fails, if it's a foul ball or a strikeout, you go, ah, live and learn. No big deal. You didn't give up, you know, a pair of first round picks or anything crazy. Mm-hmm. You're like now the reason I say those things is this trade. I don't know what it is, Dennis. This has that feeling like, man, fantastic home run. It doesn't, I've heard some people online be like, oh, I don't know. You know, they overpaid or, you know, they gave up too much or the, the contract's too long. I mean, we'll all know down the road, but hindsight's 2020. I'm just saying, sitting here today, Dennis, this feels like an absolute home run. It feels like they paid the right price from an mm-hmm. asset perspective to, to, to acquire him. It feels like the contract is right. It feels like the right player at the right time, at the right position, the right type of player. It just, to me, it seems like everything just lines up in a really positive way. Well, you gave a 19th overall pick, which is a mid-level pick because you made the playoffs. And you dealt from the deepest part of your talent pool with respect to right D. Like if Brad Clark's the real deal, you Brock Faber might be Ryan McDonough. It won't matter if Brad Clark's the real deal and you drafted him higher and you've got Grons and you've got uh, Dursey and Spencer. You, you dealt from your strength to, to shore up a weakness. Like, how is that in theory a bad move? How could you hesitate and say, oh, okay, if you traded a lefty, if you traded Mikey Anderson, deal, <laughs> right? Then you can say, okay, who's playing the left side? But you play, you, this is the absolutely deepest part of the organization. It's a win. And like I said, Brock Faber might be Ryan McDonough, and some people say that's them comparable, but we won't know two, two or three years from now. You needed to address your offense. They did that. That was mission one. Like that was job one, top of the food chain list. He did it, and he did it without taking anybody. You got a 85-point score, and you didn't take anybody off the roster? That's a win. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, so let me just address the Brock Faber thing really quickly, and then we can move on. People keep trying to point the finger and saying, oh, Brock Faber didn't want to sign in L.A. Look, Mm -hmm. I haven't had a chance to talk to Brock Faber about this, but I will tell you I've talked to a lot of people around the situation, involved in the discussions, uh, and – from everything I've been able to tell, Brock Faber never made any, any indication that he was anti-LA Kings, didn't want to sign in LA or anything like that. However, you know, I love to talk about context, Dennis. I'm going to yeah. talk about nuance here. There is some nuance to all of this, though. Brock Faber, from what I understand, was all but told that he had an opportunity to play in the NHL this season. So he could have signed and played mm-hmm. in the NHL for the LA Kings and played in the playoffs against Edmonton. And those discussions took place from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Brock Faber ultimately decided that, hey, the LA Kings are very deep down the right-hand side, even though they're telling me I'm going to play in the NHL. I don't know how long I'm going to play in the NHL. I don't know what that means for next year, how they end up dealing with the roster over the summer, right? And if I end up in the American Hockey League, I'm making 70 grand a year. Do I want to do that, or do I want to go back to Minnesota and play for a national championship? Um he wanted, he wanted the college experience, and that's basically what he told the L.A. Kings. He wanted the college experience. He wanted to play one more year for a national championship. Could they have signed him next year? It's possible. We'll never know. And until Brock Faber ever comes out and says that he absolutely was not signing in L.A., then we'll never know the answer to that. But it was a signal, I believe, Dennis, to L.A. Kings management. Because they are in the mood to win right now. They needed Brock this Faber the to play for the L.A. Kings. The so if yep. Brock Faber, because the team wants to be better for next year. If Brock Faber had signed 
I'm not saying they wouldn't have traded for Kevin Fiala, but I'm telling you this, Brock Faber would not have been in the trade for Kevin Fiala. So they would have had to restructure that deal. And maybe it did cost you Brant Clark. I don't know. Maybe it cost you something else. But the deal would have looked different if Brock Faber had signed. So when Brock Faber didn't sign, what that said to the LA Kings was, this is now an asset that we're going to need to use to make the team better. Not that Brock Faber is making the team better. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. And I'm not drawing comparables to players, but if you recall, there's a player who did sign last last two seasons ago and went to the playoffs and played. His name is Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr came out of college, went and played the playoffs. That was his first NHL's games. And so, John, you can connect the dots, but having the opportunity to go play in the playoffs against Liam Drysaddle and, you know, Connor McDavid, and you say, yeah, I'd rather stay and play against you know, Michigan State next year. Of course, there's going to be speculation, but you're right. Until the player addresses what he would or wouldn't have done, like it's all speculation, it's all talk, but you get you get the concern because this is the big biggest stage. There's nothing bigger or better than the Stanley Cup playoffs for a player, and he chose to go the in, in another direction. Hey, Brock Faber is going to be an NHL player. He's going to be a really good NHL player, Dennis. And uh, sometimes you have to give to get. And when that player goes and has success somewhere else, sure. I don't need LA Kings fans tweeting me for the next 10 years about how great Brock Faber is. It doesn't matter how many cups Brock Faber goes on to win. The only thing that matters is, did Kevin Fiala, does Kevin Fiala help the LA Kings get closer to their goal, to their dream of winning another Stanley Cup? And I think you and I both agree the answer is yes. So we can move on from this. Uh, let's take a quick break, Dennis. We'll come back on the other side. Let's break down everything Rob Blake did say and didn't say. And we'll talk about what the Kings might be doing on defense right after the break. Second period, Rob Blake. Let's break it all down. Blakey's not on the program today to join us, but you and I had the opportunity to join him on a conference call earlier today. We both asked a myriad of questions along with some other members of the media. So we have input from Blake. What were some of your takeaways from that call earlier today? Sean Walker playing the left side. That's 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 uh, in 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 like fifty point type. The, that's and 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 you've you've talked about this. Edler's coming back. Not in a prominent role, not 20 minutes. He's probably, what, the sixth or seventh defenseman. But moving Sean Walker over to the left side, John, I'll say it right now. They're not trading for Jacob Chikrin. If that's, if that's the solution, which is fine. It, 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 look, you want size on the blue line? Eddie helps a little bit on the blue line coming back, but there's going to be that chance about size on the blue line. But in the moment, um, I don't see it happening. And not only that, but Chikrin's not only on L.A.'s list or was on L.A.'s list or speculated here. A team like uh, Columbus. And with their 14th pick, they've been talking to Arizona. But to me, right now in the moment, um, the solution on the left side will come internally, at least right now. Now that could change, you know, in nine days. 
Well, DB, I'm going to give you some uh, potential trade proposals and some ideas on Beautiful. what they might do defensively. We'll, uh, you know, a couple, couple hints uh, coming up in a little bit. <laughs> First, let's just finish off on the, uh, the Fiala thing. He, Blakey said that the Fiala trade took about 10 days to finish. And he talked about the fact that they needed this type of a role and that they had identified this type of a player. I think that speaks to what we talked about a little bit yeah. earlier uh, on. And he also made note of, hey, look, this move does potentially impact their, our cap flexibility moving forward, is what he said. I'm reading some of the tweets that I had put out earlier today. Sure. Um, but that when we had a player like Fiala become available, that they were ready to get it done with their assets. So it, it, this doesn't sound to me like a spur of the moment type thing. It sounds to me like they had put a list together of three to five players during the season that they wanted to target. And Fiala was one of those players. And once that he became really became available, yeah. they were they, they pounced on the deal. Yeah, you could see this train coming up because of the, the, the buyouts of Parisian Suter in Minnesota. And the guy's playing 85 minutes and he's restricted 85 points and he's a restricted free agent. They're not going to be able to fit him in. And they've got like Matt Dumba's might get extended. He already paid Caprizo off. So this is something that you could plan for, John. This is and you're right. So it wasn't spurred a moment. If you're doing your due diligence around the league, you're saying, okay, this player, they can't fit him in. There's no way. And they pounced on it, made a great offer, and got accepted and like I said, and everything aligned because again. Like the player didn't have to sign here, but he chose to sign up for some good pay for seven years. And now you have a guy who should be a fixture part of the call going forward. Uh, Rob Blake also said that uh, I asked him, uh, were there anything that was there anything that stood out in his conversations with Kevin Fiala over, you know, as this thing came together, as they were talking about the L.A. Kings? And Blake said that Fiala spoke about the importance of wanting to win. That was really important. Um, also that he talked highly about LA's veterans. And I, I love this quote. He said, as he should. And and Blake was quick to then jump in and talk about the 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 lineage of Drew Doughty and Dustin Brown and Andre Kopitar and Jonathan Quick, the core four, winning mm -hmm. two Stanley Cups and and how valuable those players are, playing a thousand games in the National Hockey League, you know, a couple of them going to the Hall of Fame, all four of their jerseys going to the rafters. Blake yep. didn't mention all of that specifically, but I'm saying yep. he did really double down when talking about Fiala mentioning the LA veteran players and that 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 core group of veterans was one of the reasons that Fiala wanted to come here. He wanted to play with some of those veteran players. Um, so that was really positive. And then uh, Blake also said that when they talked about some of the on ice stuff, that they were um, conversing about Fiala's competitiveness and also breakout plays was something. Yep. And that was interesting because all of that has been shouldered really by Adrian Kempe. Yes, and so yeah. that was sort of something interesting um, that stood out to me. Yeah. They needed a second player to do that, that to get possession in the zone and, Again, he fits the style of this team. Like, it's a much more aggressive team last season than it was two seasons before. And it's about the system. He's going he's gonna to be – he should be a productive player in this system. And, it's, and John, what's the word we use all the time? Context. Maybe on, on Arizona he wouldn't be that player. Here, right time, right place, right age, right system. All right, so a couple of other things from Rob Blake. He was asked about the move to put Marco Sturm as the head coach of the AHL Ontario Reign. He repeatedly called it a, quote, mutual decision, mm -hmm. and he talked about the fact that it benefited both parties. Obviously, that moves out uh, uh, somebody behind the bench in L.A. We'll talk about that in the third period. And he said that this is especially mutu mutually beneficial um, considering that Marco Sturm wants to eventually be a head coach yep. in the National Hockey League, and so he needed that bench boss experience, and so it was mutually beneficial. Um, uh, he did, uh, that is, Blake did uh, consistently, multiple times, sing the praises of director of amateur scouting, 
Mark Yanetti throughout the call today. And I noted that there is an extension coming for Yanetti. Mm -hmm. I've already yeah. previously published a report that there's an extension coming for Blake. So at some point, the LA Kings are going to put a press release out, Dennis, <laughs> and confirm both of my stories uh, that those two have been signed <laughs> to extensions. I would appreciate if they could do that sooner rather than later. But thank you to Rob Blake for at least confirming my story today that uh, Alex Edler looks to be re-signed and that Sean Walker would move to the left side. So that gave me a nice retweet opportunity. Uh, Rob Blake also said, and this, this almost goes without saying, but nonetheless, he was asked about it. Uh, what's up with Adrian Kempe? And he said, hey, man, once we get Kempe signed, that's going to help solidify our cap situation. And then we'll know exactly what we'll be able to do in free agency to improve our roster. And that's really what I wanted to talk to you about there, Dennis. Yeah. Last week, I put out a cap projection after mm -hmm. the Kevin Fiala deal. Right. Um, and so I really would encourage people to read that article because you have to look at the totality of 23 players and how that puzzle is all put together. Right. And there are a couple of things to note on that 23 man roster. First of all, Adrian Kempe's projected contract. I have five years at five and a half million. I'm mm -hmm. not coming off that number. Uh, for now, uh, Dennis, do you have anything to add to that? Or you feel that's kind of in the wheelhouse of what you're expecting? Yeah, no, that's fair. Because again, it, it, you're paying for production, but it's for one breakout season. So, and he doesn't have the leverage of, uh, you know, of, of being an unrestricted free agent anytime soon. So I have no problem with that number. That's, that's a good solid number for the organization, but also for aging because he's getting paid. He's coming off a, a deal where he made $2 million a year. Okay. So there's, there's, there's that projection that's in there. And mm -hmm. then you look at um, some of the other people, Mikey Anderson needs a contract. I'm going to talk yeah. about that in just a second. Sean Dursey needs a contract. Carl Grunstrom needs a contract. Jared Anderson Dolan, he's out of waivers. I would expect him to be on the NHL roster. That's there. Here's the breaking news that I'm getting to DB, not only about Mikey Anderson, which I'm going to mention, but on the fourth line, uh, well, first, let me talk about the third line. Alex Iafalo. I keep hearing all these people talk about, oh, just trade Iafalo, trade Iafalo, free that money up and, you know, mm -hmm. deploy that money into something else. Dennis, Alex Iafalo is an insurance policy right now. Yep. Alex Iafalo is the next man up. If there's an injury in the top six, because yep. you have to think the top six are set right now, right? You think 100%. it goes Fiala, Kempe, and Kopitar on the top mm -hmm. line or Kopitar in the middle. So Fiala, Kopitar, Kempe. Second line was great last year uh, with Trevor Moore, Deneau, and Arvidsson, who's coming back. And he is expected to come back, DB, and be ready to go in time for the yeah. beginning of the year. So, if you know, if something was to go sideways there and he ended up starting the season on IR, you do have Ayafalo. And if any of, anything goes wrong in the top six, Ayafalo is your third line sure. guy. He's next man up. So that's an insurance policy right now. And until one of the kids takes that job, think about this. If you traded Iafalo to free up money, mm -hmm. what do you have below that top six? You have Byfield, you have Kaliev, you have uh, Lazat, you have Grunstrom. Grunstrom. Those are really your only guys with NHL experience because after that, mm -hmm. you're talking about Kapari, you're talking about Velarde, and you're talking about Jared Anderson Dolan. So mm -hmm. you really need Alex Iafalo at this point to give you a little bit of veteran experience that could potentially move into a top six role should somebody be injured. And, and what are you going to – here's the other side of the coin, John. You trade out a fellow, what are you doing with that cap space? You're going to do sign Phil Forsberg, Johnny Gaudreau? That's not happening. Like, what big deal no. that you need no, that no, $4 no. Million to, What What big deal do you have to swing to get that, that you need that $4 million of space right now? I don't see it. So, yes, you want depth. Like, look at the okay. players that play on the third line in Colorado and Tampa. Like, you want that player. You need a – John, you need a top nine and a bottom three. You don't need a top six and a bottom six. You need okay. players on that third line. 
I'm with you. I'm with you. But yeah. let me let me just answer ahead, the please. question that you asked, which is how would you redeploy that four million? Well, people want to trade that I, I follow contract away to create the four million because they're out of cap space on the projection on Mayor's Manor. They only they only have you know like five hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. They don't have a lot of money to do anything with if everybody gets their money. Um, so they want to go out and get Chikrin. That's how they want to do it. But here's the yeah. problem, Dennis. I don't see how the Kings trade for Chikrin, even if they had the cap space. So I'm going to entertain the idea. Right. I'm going to trade Alex Iafalo for whatever I can get and get $4 million in cap space. Now I have the cap space to get Jacob Chikrin. Mm-hmm. I have to ask you, though, what assets am I going to move in order to get Jacob Chikrin? Because I don't have a first-round draft pick this year, right. and I no longer have Brock Faber. Mm-hmm. That We know that they want at least one first-round draft pick, which means now the Kings would have to trade their 2023 mm-hmm. pick. A, that's a deeper draft. General managers are very reluctant to trade that pick. It's a much deeper draft next year than it is this year. And number two, if they do that, the Kings are now without draft picks in the first round for two consecutive years. Also, I want you to be thinking about that when we talk about the draft next year. But let's assume that they, they, uh, I'm sorry, next period when we talk about the draft. But let's assume they do that. Okay, you're going to give them the 2023 first round draft pick. Mm -hmm. What else are you going to put into that deal? Because you're not putting in Alex Turcotte. That's not going to be enough to get the deal done. You're not putting in Gabe Velarde. That's not going to be enough to get the deal done. Even if you put Aya follow in that deal, that's not going to be enough to get the deal done. Oh, I'm going to put Sean Dursey in that deal and hope that Brant Clark takes his spot. Okay, that's still not enough to get the deal done. What I'm getting at, Dennis, is that in order mm-hmm. to get Chikrin, not only do you need the cap space at this point, not only do you have to throw in the 2023 first rounder, but you know what Jacob Chikrin's going to cost you if you're the LA Kings? One of two players. Quentin By well, one of three players. Quentin Byfield, Kaliev, or Brant Clark. Mm-hmm. One of those players has to be included in that deal. And if you're LA, do you really want to go all in with three or four assets to trade for Jeff Chikrin at this particular point? I just don't think that you do. I, I think that when you say publicly that you're going to move Sean Walker to the left side, you're you're coming you're coming out of the derby. You're not you're not in the sweepstakes anymore. That that's going to be your solution. That not look would I do it? <laughs> There's a lot of reasons to do it. Four point six million dollar cap hit for that player at twenty four. Three seasons left on his deal. That's a major reason to do it. But he's injury prone, and I just. You know, I would do me. I'd have to put Matt Roy in the deal because he's making what? What's his money? So that that would help with the cap number. But uh, it's it's here's the problem, John. And this is a little it's a little disrespectful. But if it was a first round pick, Velarde and Turcott, those players aren't good enough. They that's not enough. enough. To, hold on, that's not enough to get the deal done, Dennis. That's what I'm saying. So I don't. I, I'm not treating Quentin Byfield, um, Kaliev. It, it's an interesting dynamic. I, I think I would do it. You wouldn't do it. It's a simple. Uh, hold on. So right. you're telling me you would trade. It's a first Kaliev mm-hmm. and Dursey. You mm-hmm. would make the move. Yeah, because this player has size and he has offense on the. He's going to score okay. more. He's going to have more offense. And John, you know what? It's hard to start trading first round picks. If not for that player, then somebody else. I got no problem. I know you might. I don't have problems with not having first round picks this season and next season. If it gets the player that you want. I'm not just okay. giving it away. I'm not. I'll give it to you, John. I wouldn't next March. I wouldn't trade the first round pick for a rental. They're not doing it. that. So yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, I wouldn't do it either. Right, but but the player, like player with term, like I have no problem not having first picks in multiple se- okay. in back to back. Okay, so the fact that he the fact that he the fact that he has term does make it a little bit more palatable. 
I'm just suggesting that the package to make yep, it happen. You're right. Because absolutely cause, legit. Because 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 DB, you really have to think of it this way: to get Jacob Chikrin, you're trading Aya Follow, even if he's not in the package. You're trading mm -hmm. him for the contract. Right. You're trading right. Aya Follow, yep. Kaliev, Dursey, and a different first round pick. Team. Yep. It's a different looking team, and that's a lot to move lot. to get Jacob Chikrin. And yep. just think about what you did to get Kevin Fiala. You traded yeah. stuff that wasn't on I the know. NHL roster. You're giving up three NHL roster different players to get that done. It's totally just a different, different conversation. So yep. uh, I, I, okay. Now let me say this to you though, Dennis. I am not convinced that the LA Kings uh, are not going to make a deal for a left shot defenseman. I am not convinced that Sean Great. Walker is going to start the season as a left shot D. I think that he will start the season as a left shot D if they are not able to go out and make a trade. And the type of trade that I'm talking about, DB, also comes with other ramifications. And these are some of the ramifications. I think that there's a strong possibility now that instead of a bridge deal, the Kings are so far up against the cap. Instead of a bridge deal for a guy like Mikey Anderson, who mm -hmm. doesn't have Arbright's, you could see him qualified for one year, come in at a very low contract rate right. because the Kings just don't have any money to offer him. Right. And next yep. summer, they're going to have to bridge him somehow yep. or give him a bigger deal. So Agreed. if you do that, you just saved a million dollars in my projection mm -hmm. because sure. I had Mikey at two million. So yep. you saved a million dollars there. I'm going to show you another place to save a million dollars. I think there's going to be concern with qualifying Brendan Lemieux because yep. he has Arbright's. And so I don't think they qualify Brendan Lemieux. And I think that if they're not able to replace him, uh, or let me say it this way. I think that whoever they replace him with, whether it's a veteran player at a million dollars or mm -hmm. a kid at a million dollars, could be Velarde, could be anybody. My point is I have 2 million that I have slotted on my yeah. Mayor's Manor article cap projection. I have 2 million for Delorier or Lemieux. I don't mm -hmm. think they can do that 2 million mm -hmm. anymore. So now replace that with a million dollar player. The Kings now have 2 million. I just saved 2 million yeah. plus the extra money that they have. Now they have about two and a half million. You squeeze a few more things around the margins with some of these other RFAs that they have, like a Grunstrom, like mm -hmm. a Jersey. Some of these guys might also just get qualified and just right. get their 5% raise. Now, all of a sudden, the Kings are closer to $3 million. Well, why am I bringing that up, Dennis? Because I think there's a couple guys out there that the Kings could target to try to trade for, and they could potentially use that first-round pick that you're willing to deal. They could mm -hmm. potentially throw a couple of prospects in. I don't know. I'm just giving names. Maybe it's a Kapari. I don't think that Akil Thomas coming off injury, I think that that's not going to have enough Walker cachet, value, right. right? Maybe it's a Fagamo, mm -hmm. right? There, there, has to be a, there has to be a prospect with value, but mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a Byfield and it doesn't have to be a Clark. So let me just give you a couple of guys that are out there in that sure. potential. And this, this, these are my qualifications, DB. And I'm going to put an article out about this. Under 30 years old, left shot D, mm -hmm. taller than 6'2", has to have a little size. <laughs> Right. And on a contract that's under four million, some mm -hmm. of the guys that you might be available to target would be uh, a guy like Carson Susi up there in uh, yep, Seattle. Yep. Okay, I there's, the same there's, name, a John. Yep. there's a You're potential nice target for you. Uh, you could make you could potentially target uh, Joel Edmondson uh, mm -hmm. up in uh, Montreal. Yep. Um, I, you know, I don't know Jake Sanderson. Uh, I mean, I could give you a whole list of them, of guys that would be available, uh, not available, guys that you could potentially go out and target. It's a pretty short list, but if mm -hmm. you start to search down size, left shot, under 30 years old, on a term that is less than four years, yeah. right? So look for a two or three-year contract, a guy that's in around that two and a half to three and a half million dollar range, 
I think they can get it done, Dennis. And all yeah. of a sudden, now Sean Walker doesn't have to start. But there's yeah. one more ramification, and I wanted to mention this to you. Sure. Right now in the article, DB, the Kings have seven defensemen in that article mm-hmm. right now. They right. have uh, Doughty and Anderson. They have Walker and Roy. They have mm-hmm. Dursey and Forbert. Jersey and Forbort. Wow, man. What is, a, what is going on with me tonight, Dennis? That is a... I can't even believe I just said that. I can't even believe I just said that. I can't even believe I just said that. Speculation now. People got to run to Twitter. Kings bringing back Derek Forbort. Bjornfoot and Dursey. Oh, my God. And their seventh defenseman is Edler. Right. Well, hold on. If they trade prospects and picks to get a defenseman, now, obviously, if they included Walker in the deal, mm-hmm. that frees things up, right? Of course. But if they just traded prospects and picks, what are they going to do? You know what they would have to do in that scenario, Dennis? They'd have to send Toby Bjornfoot to the American League for next mm-hmm. year. Because you can't send Sean Walker. You can't send nope. Anderson. You can't send Doughty. You can't send Roy. Nope. And you're not sending Dursey. Well, I guess I'll put it this way to you, DB. The decision at that point comes, do you send Dursey back or do you send uh, um, uh, Bjornfoot back? And the answer is you're sending Bjornfoot back. Right. You, a matter you, of fact, I think Dursey's out of waivers. Maybe you can't yeah. even send Dursey back. Well, you're sending back the player who was scratched in game seven. You're playing, you're, you're keeping the player who played 20 plus minutes in game seven. Here's another name. It's a little bit pricey, John. It's probably over your three and a half million. The other guy would be Marcus Pedersen in Pittsburgh. Left side defenseman, size 24. I think he's, he's got three more years at four. That could be a possibility as well. That, that, you know what though, DB? That extra five hundred thousand. Yeah. I'm just not sure where they would squeeze that out. Yeah. You know, they would almost have to take a Sean Walker back in that mm-hmm. deal. Yeah. And I think you're better off from an asset management perspective, Dennis. I think you're better off holding on to uh, Sean Walker, playing him 20 games, letting GMs know mm-hmm. that he's back yep. and he's 100% healthy. Right. And that asset is going to be worth more at game 21 mm-hmm. than that asset is worth today. Uh, by the way, Sean Dursey is, uh, yeah, he's out of waivers because this he's his three years of of pro would have already um, right. come due. So you can't even send Sean Dursey back at this point. Uh, you would need to go ahead and put him through waivers, and you're not sending Sean Dursey through waivers. <laughs> so maybe the best thing for Toby Bjornfoot at this point is, in fact, to go back to the American League and uh, get everything back on track. Yeah, I, I agree. I think if that's the choice, you have. It's not even a choice, John. Like that's the obvious. It's it's an obvious move. Well, others would argue that maybe what you would do instead, though, is just not sign Alex Edler because you could make Walker or Bjornfoot your seventh defenseman, even if you went out and picked up one of these players that I just mentioned, right? You don't mm. have to add Alex Edler. But see, I would argue the other side of that, though, TV. I would say you do have to sign yes, Alex Edler, yeah. even if you do make the trade, because I think that it gives you a veteran yeah. option and that why 100%. not send Bjornfoot back? What's the problem? Send him back. There was Bjornfoot hasn't proven anything. He hasn't proven he can carry top four minutes. Edler liked it here. His family liked it here. So, and he's willing to come back in a reduced role. It makes so much sense. And, it, and the players like them. You need a veteran presence. You just can't play 19 and 22 year olds up and down a lineup. Like you need a player like that. Um, going well, forward. Wait a minute. You're play the, you're play the kids guy. Now no, you're saying I, you can't I'm, play the kids. No, I'm saying play the kids, but then I'm saying trade the kids. <laughs> hashtag tra- I wrote it in my new piece. Hashtag trade the kids and prospects. So it's it's. Oh my it's, god! I just went down, to, John. You know, what? I went down the list of first round picks that were scratched for Game Seven against Edmonton, and there were a bunch of them. So to me, yeah, you play the kids to find out who the real kids are. 
<laughs> You're unbearable at times. Uh, yeah. Joel Edmondson is six foot five. He's 224 pounds. He's 29 years old. He's on a manageable deal coming out of Montreal. The Kings did look at him from what I understand and liked him previous in his career as well. Uh, he was with St. Louis and then he had, uh, he had that one year in Carolina before signing in Montreal. Um, so, Hey, maybe there's something there, but, uh, I, all I'm getting at DB is I think that there is the potential for a trade free agency, I think is a little bit different. Um, because I think there are fewer of those players in that yeah. under 30 over six foot two type thing. Nope. And the problem with free agency too, DB is then you're competing against other teams. Yeah. So being able to get that cost certainty is very helpful. Um, any parting thoughts on the Rob Blake call before we move on to the third period today? No, I think he was, he's never that transparent, but he, he answered enough questions to give us a kind of a roadmap into the, into the off season, what moves he might make uh, over the next uh, 10 days or so. All right. So uh, one of the questions he was asked today was about Marco Sturm, and he talked about that being mutually beneficial. I allu alluded to it earlier that one of the benefits of that is the opening it created on the L.A. Kings bench. We'll talk about that search and more after the break. back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Third period, Kings of the Podcast. Uh, Dennis Bernstein, we have covered in depth the mm. Rob Blake press conference today and the Kevin Fiala trade. Now let's turn our attention to the LA Kings assistant coaching situation. I have a little breaking news that I'll share with you. I've been sitting on this today. Uh, I didn't tweet it out. I was saving it for Kings of the Podcast. Now, while I don't have the name to give you just quite yet of who that's going to be, I can give you an update on where the search is at. Uh, Coach Todd McClellan, from what I understand, is going to be in Los Angeles for development camp next week. And so for the fans that haven't seen the tweets on that, development camp is going to run Monday through Friday. So immediately following the mm -hmm. draft. The draft, of course, is uh, this Thursday is the first round. Friday is the remainder of the draft. And then development camp will be July 11th through the 15th. DB, you, know, you have John, something to add to that? Yes, yeah. No, yeah, just from a calendar standpoint. You asked about when the Kings should announce the extensions on Unity and Blake. Well, they're not doing anything on Thursday night. They don't have a first-round pick. <laughs> Perfect timing. You want to make some news? <laughs> there you go. Announce Blake and Unity extension on Thursday. 
You got nothing right. else going on. Right. Well, back you to know, you, John. You probably have an ex- you probably have an extension also for Nelson Emerson and Glenn Murray. So I say, why not? Or why wait? Why not just start today? You can oh, trickle them in God. one one at a time for the next four days. But um, here's the update on the assistant coach. Sure. I'm expecting. I'm expecting Todd McClellan and Rob Blake from what I'm hearing to meet next week. They'll come together. They'll put a short list together. Uh, Todd McClellan is running point on this coaching search. I do keep pushing the Jim Hiller idea. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to see if that name is one of the names that's within the final uh, groups. Uh, But if you're expecting an announcement of an assistant coach, anytime in the next couple of days, this search is going to go a little bit longer. They're just now getting together for the first time and talking about that. So uh, there's some, there's some news there about the assistant coach, Dennis, and obviously whoever they bring in. Uh, Jim Hiller, of course, I think has the power pay, play credentials to at least interview, if not get the job. But whoever they, they hire, Dennis, it's going to have to be somebody who can help improve the pl- uh, power play. No question. That, that's, that should be the top of their resume. If you submitted a resume to Rob Blake and Tom McCon, <laughs> and, and the first line was in power play specialist or in the intro, Right. We're yeah. not, they're not interested at this point. <laughs> Spoken like a former recruiter, how to, how exactly. to put a resume together. That was, that was outstanding, Dennis. Exactly. Uh, other, other items on the schedule. We talked about development camp. I did leak out uh, previously some pre-schedule info or pre-season information, as well as opening night, which looks like it's been moved up to October 11th. And Dennis, by the time this podcast comes out on Wednesday, morning uh people might have already heard because the nhl schedule for next season is about to be released so it looks like opening night october 11th my best guess dennis and i could be wrong on this it's just a guess no inside information i think it's either vegas or edmonton that's my guess we'll Mm -hmm. have to wait and see uh who who that's going to be i i was led to believe it's most likely a pacific division team but one thing we do know for whatever reason there always seems to be some late changes to the schedule. Right. It happens every year. And they did it with the date, the date the Kings were supposed yeah. to open on like the 13th or 14th. Yep. And they moved, right. they moved yep. it up to the 11th. So mm-hmm. maybe they're going to, they're going to move the opponent too. I don't know, but the preseason schedule came out. So I don't know if you've circled those dates on your calendar yet, Dennis, but they have games in San Jose games mm-hmm. in Vegas yep. games in Utah. And then there's going to be like this three game tournament between right. the Kings and the ducks. Uh, this is crazy. They're going to have a bunch of preseason games. It's great. I'm I'm ready. I need uh, I need a week off. Okay. <laughs> I, need two, I need ten days off, but then I'm ready for games again. So uh, yeah. Are you so. traveling to uh, to Anaheim for the preseason games? Come on. No, stop we're not going to get you there. Okay, I'm just asking. I don't know. Maybe maybe I catch you in a moment of weakness. When when when, when Anaheim Ducks stop putting me on the glass in a folding chair in the press box, that's when I'll go to games. <laughs> oh. Public, okay. A public, a public dart was just thrown. Okay, so so forget about briefcase Bernstein. I'm going to call you bougie Bernstein. Oh, from totally. Now on. <laughs> totally spoiled and entitled. You know me. Come on. Call my Instagram uh, and Twitter account. Come on. I'll tell you something funny. I just said the other night. Uh, yeah. I, I was out with friends and we were somewhere where we were very well taken care of. And I, of they're like, "Wow, you really do like the finer things." And I said, "Let me tell you something. I'm punk rock to the core, but I'm bougie as hell." That's, that's what I said. right. You oh. got it. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like it, that's how we roll. Yeah. Um, look, uh, let's talk about the draft. It's coming up. Uh, I'll tell you, why don't we end on the draft? Why don't we just skip ahead real quick? We'll sure. talk about the renovations because I think there's only a right. couple bullet points here. Uh, yeah. Zach Dooley, LA Kings insider had a detailed article, mm-hmm. the teaser video that we had talked about on the program finally yep. was posted. Um, it looked like Dennis, that they're going to add some led scoreboards up in the top corner there, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. sort of like where the Lakers retired jerseys are. So that'll yep. be great. 
people in the lower bowl will be able to see it. The upper bowl, it looks like there's a new scoreboard that's mm -hmm. coming. Um, but DB, the crazy thing that caught the attention of everybody and Twitter kind of freaked out, it looks like they're going to take out two or three sections in the one mm -hmm. end zone up in the 300 level and create some sort of like inside outside space yeah. there. Uh, did, did you, did you see that? I didn't see that. No, it, uh, but look, I think it's, it's about uh, buildings are getting smaller, right? They're not building 22,000 seat arenas anymore. It's about the other accoutrements that you have in a building. So it doesn't, so if you had instead of 18, 118, if you had 17 and change, but you had, and of course you're going to charge more to be in those areas and sections. I think it's about appeal. This is a building that's instead to test, stand the test of time, but it's it's getting outdated. So when you go to the new arenas like uh, Rogers play, uh, Rogers place in uh, Edmonton or Seattle, you need to do more for the fans. So I, I get that run ratio. I I would be all for it. I think it would be cool and a nice little break because they, they, you don't really have to sell every seat every night. You can get away with smaller, a, a, a bit smaller attendance in the building. I don't know, though, Dennis, if the Lakers get back to being championship contenders and the Kings get back to being championship contenders, I think both teams are going to be hoping and wishing that they had 20 to 25,000 seat arenas, not smaller buildings. But uh, no, you're right, though. The, the, the whole game experience has changed Change. across, uh, you know, North America. And and so creating and I think taking advantage and I, they said it in the press release uh, or the video or something or maybe Dooley wrote it. I don't remember, but somebody was talking about, hey. LA is a unique market because of the weather that we have year round. And we should take advantage of that indoor yeah. outdoor idea. Yeah. It's very popular in homes right now, right? Taking your living room outside and you kind of want to take advantage of that as a building uh, here in Los Angeles. And you already have a building like that. SoFi. SoFi is indoor outdoor. It, it has a cover, but it's not domed. It's not no, air conditioned. It's built right? in the ground. I, yeah. It's building. Right. So it's 85 degrees in that building sometimes, but I, you know, Look, I'll give you the story. They, they opening night for the Rams, and this is about money. The Rams had some. Uh, we put down a deposit for a suite, and so we said, "Yeah, maybe opening night we'll go to suite." And the perch suites, which are eight seats, Buffalo Bills opening night Thursday night football. I get a call. I'm like, "All right, I put my deposit down. It was twenty five hundred dollars, right? Whatever." Right? I get a call. Okay, we have one left. Yeah, how much? Fourteen thousand five hundred dollars. For for eight seats against the Buffalo Bills opening night. So, so it's about that as well. So, yeah, I know you. I'm like, yeah, I don't think. Uh, let me talk to my wife about that. But uh, let me get back to you. Hung up the phone. Called back in two minutes. Yeah, I talked to my wife, which I didn't. I'm like, yeah, it's, call me for the Atlanta Falcons game. And it's like, you know, nobody's buying those. So it's 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 about that. But I, it's about you mentioned the word, John. It's about experience. That's what it's about. And it, it's and fans want more. Yeah, they want to see the game. They want to see an entertaining team. But in those breaks, and there's 18 minute breaks between periods. They want a, a, a nicer experience. So I think that'd be really cool. And again, it's been done and we could do it in LA because wintertime is, you know, 65 degrees. It's not 20 degrees. You can go outside and have a drink or whatever you want to do. Hey, DB, I'll tell you this. Uh, like you, having traveled around the league and taken a look at some of the other buildings, it was very awesome for a long time, the first 20 years of Staples Center, to go to these other buildings and know that coming back home, that we were going to be going to one of the nicest buildings mm -hmm. in the league. And, uh, you know, it's been a long time now. It's been 20, yep. almost 25 years, you know, wherever it's been. Uh, and it's, it's time now for some time. upgrades. And I'm really excited uh, to, to see how this building changes and morphs. And I look sure. forward to having... Uh, 
AEG Sports COO. Did I get his title right this time? I Having Kelly did, Cheese. Yeah. I always get it wrong every time for some reason. I don't know why. So I apologize <laughs> to Cheese if I got it wrong. But whatever his title is, I look forward to having Cheeseman on the program uh, later this summer, Dennis. We have to get by the draft. We have to get by sure. development camp. We have to get by free agency. We have right. to let the roster dust settle. And then we'll uh, we'll get a hold of Cheese and we'll talk about the building. Let's end the program today talking about the draft. Because, sure. Dennis, for longtime readers of Mayor's Manor coming up, uh, here in the next day or two, I'm going to have the LA Kings draft preview article that I put up every year. I'll give you some predictions on who mm-hmm. I tell you or who I think I should say, who I think the LA Kings are targeting, who they might be drafting, should those players become available to them. I know you're going to be at the draft and covering yeah. it. So Kings of the Podcast has you covered from both sides. But I wanted to uh, give a couple of teaser nuggets or at least some 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 free uh, tidbits here on the podcast. And let me give you one. I believe the Kings have a little bit of a change of strategy going into this draft compared to last draft. Last draft, it was all about quality. It wasn't about quantity. Mm -hmm. And so we told you coming into the draft last year that they were going to look to package their picks, trade up as much as Mm -hmm. they can, and they were going to walk away with as few of players as they as they needed to. And they were actually okay walking away last year with just one or two players. If they could have packaged them to get those two quality picks. Now, some of that of course was uh, predicated on the fact that it was this weird year coming out of COVID and they had done a lot of video scouting and things like that, but there were players that they had highly targeted. And here's the thing. They thought that, Hey man, the draft pool is about as full as we can make it. And if we're going to add any more other players to the pool, they have to be of really high yeah. quality and also with short development timeframes. Because normally mm-hmm. when you draft a player, and I think we've had Mark Yannetti on the program before talking about this, um, when you draft a player, most scouts would tell you it's a three to five year window post draft when you expect them. Year four, they kind of establish, establish themselves as players. And year five, they're really making an impact Uh, or significant contribution, if you will, to your team in their role, whether that's Dwight King and Jordan Nolan in bottom six roles, or whether it's, you know, whoever, Kevin Fiala in a top six role, or a Jacob Chikrin in a top four defensive role. The point to all of this is, I think the Kings strategy this year is going to be a a, a real shift. And you might go, well, why are they shifting now? Because John, you've been talking about, they need to thin the prospect pool and the pool is overflowing. Well, here's why, Dennis. Two things are going to be happening over the next 18 to 24 months, and it's already started. Two things. One, those players in that deep, deep prospect pool, they're graduating. They're becoming NHL players, right? And the more of them that become NHL players, Byfield, Kaliev, Dursey, Mm -hmm. Grunstrom, the more players that graduate out of the prospect pool and become NHL players, the thinner that pool becomes. That's number one. Number two, Dennis, they're trading prospects in these Mm -hmm. deals they just traded brock faber Faber. that helps thin the pool and that's not the only one if they go out and make a move for a defenseman now or at the trade deadline or even next summer you're talking about probably including prospects in that deal so the point is they're going to be trading prospects and they're going to be trading picks dennis they might have to trade that first round pick for next year to get the defenseman like we talked about so what's going to happen well they're going to use this moment in time i believe to address something that they didn't get to quick enough last year. And that is they're looking out ahead and going, "Uh Oh, in two to three years, this Mm -hmm. prospect pool is going to be really thin. So we better start refilling it right now in, in anticipation and in preparation for that. Because if you remember at the end of Lombardi's run, after he had traded away the prospects and the picks, Mm -hmm. the cupboards were bare. Right. And so 
my, where I'm going with this is I think you're going to see a shift. They come into this draft with five picks. I'm saying they're going to leave most likely with seven or eight players. Now, of course, mm-hmm. Dennis, the minute that I say that, they're going to package all their picks. They're going to trade up <laughs> at right. the top of the second round, and they're going to get somebody. But most likely, uh, from everything everything I've been I've been hearing and, and, and sort of been able to pick up on, the Kings aren't looking to trade into the first round. So for anybody right. who has these delusions of grandeur, they're not they're not trading no. into the first round, okay, no. this year. Could they trade up a little bit out of 51? It's possible. But more likely, Dennis, I think they might trade down out of yeah. 51, maybe go yeah. back three to five spots, collect the tax Cut out of the third one. round, sure. add a pick. Yep. I think you could see them make three picks in the second and third round total, yeah. but instead of two, make three, maybe trade down once again mm-hmm. and pick up another fourth or a fifth. So I sure. think that's something to take a look at. I think another thing to take a look at, Dennis, is people keep talking about the goaltending situation. Yeah, I was well, ask you that, yeah. First off, read the article on mayorsmanor.com because for everybody who says they don't have goaltenders, you're not really looking at the totality of the situation. They have Matt Volalta. They just signed uh, uh, David Rennick, the kid out of St. Cloud mm-hmm. State. He's turned pro. They also have um, uh, uh, the kid over in Europe uh, that they drafted two years ago. They have him. They also have uh, per- Lucas Perique. They have Jacob Ingham. They have a lot of goaltenders in the system, Dennis. That's why they had two goalies in the ECHL last year. So there are a lot of goalies in the system right now. Combine that with the fact that this is a very thin goaltending pool. They're not going to use number 51 to take a goaltender. And if they're not using 51 to take a goalie, DB, there's not a lot of meat on the bones in the later rounds. So Mm -hmm. I would say you're not going to see them take a goalie any earlier than the fifth round, if I had to guess. But it would not surprise me one bit if they don't take a goaltender at all. And if they do, it's going to be late, but it's not going to surprise mm-hmm. me at all if they don't take a goaltender. So there's a little bit of kind of forecasting of, of, of what I would expect. No first round pick, probably not a trade up. They probably will trade down uh, and they're going to add some picks and try to go for that quantity instead of the quality mentality that they were going for last year. I think that's what you have to look forward to. And I have a list of about 20 players that I'm going to put into the article DB. Beautiful. I'm going to talk about pick 51. I'm going to talk about later in the second round. And I have a bevy of players I'm going to talk about for the third, the fourth, and the fifth round. So uh, look for a preview coming on mayorsmanor.com. I gave you a little bit tonight, but there's more to come later. That's awesome. Yeah, and for trading into the first round, like you already traded, you just traded your 19th overall pick. So if you had a player that's really loved down in that area, you would have you would have substituted with another asset. So it doesn't make sense. And I, I just, yeah, I just, I don't see it. And this is not a deeper draft as it is next season. So maybe next season, but again, I, hopefully you're, dra- you're drafting 25th or 26th next season. So it's not, it becomes a moot point. It's really hard to trade into the first round, Dennis, and you have to look at what the Kings have. So what are they going to do? They're going to package 51 in Fagamo yeah. to try to get into pick 32. That's not going to be enough. That's a long, yeah, it's You're a not long gonna, That's a long right. way to go from 51. Yeah. So, you know, on the high side, they can maybe, maybe move up five spots, 10 at the most, if the draft got screwy yeah. on them. But They've really focused their attention knowing that this 19 pick was most likely going to be in play. I get the sense that they know, or not that they know, but that they're, they're, they, um, they're spending the bulk of their attention looking at what's happening in the second round right, and trying to right. figure out what to do at 51. Move up now, a couple, 51, back a couple right? and what, right. what do mm-hmm. you do there? Because they, they, they had a strong feeling that 19 was in play. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's where I think they are. Um, I think the draft is going to be very exciting, Dennis. It's going to be very weird that it's on a Thursday night and a Friday. Yeah, I'm curious to see how, how that goes over with the, uh, the hockey fan base. We'll have to see, but you'll be up there in Montreal and 
Uh, we'll be texting each other, and uh, yep. you'll, you'll be our, our correspondent for Kings of the Podcast. A- any night in Montreal is a good night for the draft, John, especially when the team has the first overall pick, and there's rumors that they might get the second overall pick. So, yeah, it's interesting, but I, I think it's just another sign that, John, we got to get back on the right count, cal- the, the, the regular calendar next season, where we're not doing this draft in July and we're doing it in mid-June. So, But it's going to be a big-time party in Montreal, so uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, call your shot, DB, as we end the program here today. Debrinket to New Jersey, or does he go somewhere else? What happens at the draft? What's the big player that gets moved? Uh, I I don't think Debrinket's getting traded. I don't think don't, okay. he's not for the second overall. Like there was some talk about Philly, but Philly took their supposedly their fifth overall pick off the. Uh, you know what Debrinket depends on how Taves and Kane think about it. And what their feelings about that player, John? I, I don't know. Like the fifth overall pick for a forty goal scorer, I'm keeping that guy home, but we'll see what happens. So I don't think they announced that trade. I think we will see some trades in the first round to bring it to New Jersey for the second overall pick. I don't know. I, I maybe because here's the thing, John, and I'll close with this: if Shane Wright goes to, if they pick Slavkovsky, the, the 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 Slovak kid, Montreal, they already have Nico Heischer and. And, and Jack Hughes in, in New Jersey, what do you need Shane Wright for? So I think in that scenario, maybe Seattle trades up. So they could put Matty Benitez and Shane Wright on their team, one, two centers. So I, I expect some activity. I'd love some creativity, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. So I'm going to think that maybe we'll see no trades in the first round. All right, there you go, fans. Thanks for tuning in this week to Kings of the Podcast. We have a couple more episodes coming up here. We have our preview of Development Camp. We'll be talking, hopefully, with Kevin Fiala. We'll look to get Mark Yannetti back on the program doing a post-draft breakdown. So more to come from Kings of the Podcast. We'll see you guys on Twitter. Have a great week, everybody. Spike it out, the gang is ready tonight Take the 42 north, pass electric to right For few of us know it could never contest The noise, 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 I kept it so close But the words were spoken It's the last episode when the buses start running And the flash led to right Head I head past the shoulders to the new music right For few of us know it could never contest The music and nostalgia burns a hole in our head Free